Hello and welcome to The Wash, a special edition podcast we call The Impeachment Inquiry of Donald J. Trump. I'm Leona Dunn. And I'm Molly Fazer, coming to you from the School of Communication Graduate Journalism Program at American University in Washington, D.C. An historic week in the nation's capital as the House of Representatives begins an impeachment inquiry of the president. This comes after reports that Mr. Trump had pressured the Ukrainian government to dig up dirt on Hunter Biden, the son of presidential candidate Joe Biden. Our guest today will shed some light on impeachment, whistleblowers, media ethics, and some political history and analysis. American University history professor Alan Lickman predicted Mr. Trump's election early on. We'll talk with him and with AU law professor Luis Caldera about whistleblower laws, with AU journalism professor John Watson about media ethics, and NPR senior editor and correspondent Ron Elving, who will do some news analysis. He also teaches public affairs at AU. We began by talking with the only person to correctly identify the outcome of all presidential elections since 1984. That person is American University professor Alan Lickman. He says going through the impeachment process makes moral sense no matter what the outcome. I'm waiting for the impeachment itself, which I'm absolutely certain is going to happen. Nancy Pelosi would not go on national TV and announce an impeachment inquiry that just was going to fizzle out. And there's so much already just days into the inquiry. There's already enough for articles of impeachment. In his book, Keys to the White House, Lickman reveals 13 keys that help him predict who will be elected. According to Lickman, three of the keys have already been nailed down against the Republican Party, with it only taking six for a defeat. The party mandate key based on the losses in the midterm elections, the foreign policy success key, no big foreign policy breakthroughs like Trump has promised in Iran or uh, North Korea, and the incumbent charisma key because Donald Trump appeals to a narrow slice of the electorate. That's why the impeachment is so important because that would nail down a fourth key, putting them just two keys short of defeat. Lickman admits that because it is still so early in the impeachment process, no one knows what might happen as more information could be revealed with time. When they began the investigation of Richard Nixon, they were focused on the Watergate break-in at the Democratic National Committee headquarters. But as the inquiry proceeded and covered much worse crimes than that, including illegal wiretaps, illegal break-ins, uh, illegal campaign contributions, illegal attempts to rig elections. So the Watergate scandal blossomed into what to that point in our history was the worst scandal in American history. We don't know where the evidence may lead us this time. We know that the White House not only put the conversation between President Trump and the Ukrainian President Zelensky in the super secret server, they also put conversations with the Saudi royal family and Vladimir Putin. There may be much worse stuff if Congress can get our hands on those conversations. As for his final prediction. Truth is, so much is in flux that even I can't make a prediction yet. Speculation about impeachment started almost the day Mr. Trump took office, but it wasn't until late September that the public found out about a whistleblower complaint. It concerned Mr. Trump's phone call to the president of Ukraine, asking him to investigate former Vice President Biden and his son Hunter. The younger Biden had joined the board of a natural gas company in Ukraine. The whistleblower wrote he was concerned the president had used the power of his office to pressure a foreign country to investigate one of the president's main domestic political rivals. Under the Intelligence Community's Whistleblower Protection Act, the complaint must come from an employee of an element of the intelligence community or a contractor to the intelligence community. Our Cami Gregorian has more on this aspect of the story. 
American University law professor Luis Caldera says the importance of a whistleblower is another form of government oversight. People who are in agencies themselves have a duty under statutes to report whether there's waste, fraud, and abuse. President Trump says he wants to meet and identify his accuser, but the identity of a whistleblower is supposed to remain secret. That's why laws are set in place to protect them. Professor Caldera says whistleblowers do take on risks. And so the law is very specific about uh, trying to both protect the individual's identity and trying to protect adverse consequences uh, happening to them. Now, the reality is that many whistleblowers in the end leave their agencies because their identities do become known, because they become, in a sense, you know, they've done something patriotic, but they're treated like uh, pariah uh, within uh, their agencies. Although it is possible the whistleblower's identity could eventually be leaked, at this time their identity remains anonymous. Attention is now focused on how Congress best protects anonymous witnesses. The stakes are high because of the fear of retaliation. Cami Gregorian, Washington. You are listening to The Wash, a special edition we call the impeachment inquiry of Donald J. Trump. The topic of impeachment is making headlines in Washington. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi decided to move forward with an impeachment inquiry on President Trump. Our Mariah Espinoza has more on the story. The last time an American president was impeached from office, Bill Clinton was found guilty of perjury and obstruction in wake of an affair with White House intern Monica Lewinsky. The two situations are completely different. I talked with NPR senior editor Ron Elving, who says it's the media coverage that has changed drastically. In this particular instance, you had several newspapers suddenly reporting the presence of this whistleblower complaint, which had already been working its way through official channels for several weeks. So there is some journalism going on right now. Mm -hmm. I don't mean to in any sense imply that there isn't a great deal of journalistic activity going on right now. But the essential opening of the case, if you will, uh, was done through official channels by this whistleblower. The roles of the two bodies of Congress are very different. It's the House that gathers enough votes to impeach and the Senate that takes it to trial. Here's the big difference between House and Senate. The House charges with just a simple majority vote. In the Senate, to convict, you need two-thirds, 67 votes. That's an awful lot. It means it must be bipartisan. However, if the Senate moves forward with the trial and convicts Mr. Trump, the impeachment cannot be appealed. At that point, that's the end. If the House passes these articles of impeachment, and at this point we don't know if that's going to happen, but if, let's say, it were to happen here, as it did in 1998 with Bill Clinton. If that happens, then the Senate is expected to hold a trial. There's been some speculation about how they might refuse. I don't think there's any chance that mm -hmm. they would refuse. This is only the fourth time an impeachment inquiry has taken place. It could be weeks or even months before a decision is made. Mariah Espinoza, Washington. There's also, of course, heated media competition for the latest news in the impeachment inquiry. It was the New York Times that broke some details about the identity of the whistleblower, saying the person was a CIA officer who was once detailed to the White House. To critics, these details could help identify the anonymous whistleblower. Our Courtney Jacobs talked with media ethics expert Professor John Watson at American University about the editorial decision made by the Times. The executive editor of the New York Times was never trained in journalism school. He didn't go to journalism school, so he probably never had a formal course in ethical decision-making. And secondly, if he had been trained in journalism ethics, he would know that the stakeholders um, were more than the whistleblower him or herself, but also journalism as a whole. 
When you're making an ethical decision, you have to think uh, about, among other things, the stakeholders, the people who will be affected, usually negatively, by the decision you make. And I don't think he thought about the repercussions for journalism as a whole. There's indications that he thought about the repercussions for the whistleblower, but even that thinking was incorrect. The New York Times say they published the information to allow the public an opportunity to make up their own minds about the credibility of the whistleblower. However, others fear that it will have a chilling effect on other potential whistleblowers if this person is identified. That will do it for this edition. Thanks for joining us. I'm Molly Fazer. And I'm Leona Dunn. This has been a special podcast edition of The Wash, the impeachment inquiry of Donald J. Trump produced by the American University Graduate Journalism Program. Special thanks to our guests, Professors Alan Lickman, Luis Caldera, and John Watson from American University, and Ron Elving, NPR Senior Editor and Correspondent, and also an AU Professor. Our team members, Executive Producer Elise Dean, Associate Producer Kayla Clark, our reporters, Mariah Espinosa, Cami Gregorian, Courtney Jacobs, Taylor Ardry, Jacob Wallace, and Austin Ramsey. Audio editor, Alyssa Royster. Board operators, Sienna Buschetti and Ikechiku Mbagwu. Music theme by Kevin McLeod via Creative Commons. I'm SOC professor Jill Olmsted. Thanks for joining us.